So if we were to summarize maybe last Sunday's message or part one of this series, it might be summarized or, or captured simply by the phrase, watch out. That's essentially what Jesus tells us. Uh, and then this part, if watch out was the first part of these verses from Matthew 7, then today's theme might be summarized by the phrase, wise up. Watch out and wise up, as Jesus tells us not only not not only what not to do, but also then how to wise up and to actually build our faith. And again, remember why this is so important. This is not some trivial matter as if it's a take it or leave it option. Jesus is talking about the most important matter for any of us, which is our eternity. Our souls hang in the balance. And so recognizing the, the gravity of Jesus' words and our situation, we do well to pay attention to them. So watch out was last Sunday. Wise up is today. And both of them are essential. You see, it's important for us to, to not only guard something, but if we're going to guard it, we also want to make sure that what we're guarding is healthy and growing. Otherwise, what is the point of growing something or, or guarding something rather that is uh, simply dying? Think of it this way, if whether or not you're a green thumb, imagine uh, planting a, a strawberry plant in a pot in your backyard. And you don't really know what you're doing, but you find out either through experience or you read and do a little bit of research that you aren't the only one that likes strawberries. Turns out there are a lot of bugs, there are birds, there are bunnies, all of which would love to dig at your strawberry plant. So you get an idea and you say, well, I know how to, to guard uh, from all of those. I'm going to take that, that potted strawberry and I'm going to take it inside and I've got a, a nice secure safe. Uh, and I'm going to lock it in there so that none of the bugs, none of the birds, none of the bunnies can get to my strawberry plant. Now, even hearing that undoubtedly sounds a little bit goofy or absurd. While it's true that, that no bugs, that no bunnies, no birds are going to get at that plant, the truth is neither is the sun or any water. So what you are protecting is something that is just eventually going to wither and die anyways. So both are important to protect, to guard, but also to grow. And what is important when it comes to growing our Christian faith? Well, paying attention to the foundation on which you're building. And that's exactly what Jesus talks to us about today, a foundation. Now, if you've ever watched a, a building project, you probably might agree with me that pouring the foundation is kind of a neat part of it, but it's not the most exciting aspect uh, of, a, of a building project, whether it's a home or a building. Um, it's nice to see how big that building is going to be once the foundation is laid. But after that, it really doesn't tell you a whole lot about the building. It's much more uh, fun to pay attention to when the studs are, are up and they start to shape the building. And then the walls come together and now you get a picture of what that building is going to look like. And then, of course, the finishing touches really bring that whole building project to life and they give it character. Now you know what you're looking at, right? And yet the reality is that no matter how beautiful that architecture is, no, no matter how beautiful the design of that building is, if the foundation's no good, then potentially that gorgeous building may, may crash and crumble down anyways. So it's important to pay attention to the foundation, isn't it? And so again, as Jesus talks to us this morning about a foundation, we want to listen to what he says. But we also want to make sure that we understand the illustration that Jesus is using. 
In other words, what is the application of his parable of the picture that he paints for us of building on a foundation of sand or of rock? Let me remind you of, of last Sunday uh, when we talked about the potential of getting lost in Jesus' warning if we latch on to one particular warning. Remember when he said to watch out for false prophets and then he described them as wolves. And if that's as far as we go, if, if that's the, the mental picture that latches on to our minds and, and we think as long as I'm looking out and keeping my eye open for the wolves, then I'll be okay. Just watch out for them. But that misses the whole point. Jesus' point of that warning was to say that they're not going to look like wolves. They'll be wolves, but they will dress, they will cover themselves in, in wool, and they'll look just like you and me. Today, as we continue with these verses in Matthew 7, particularly focusing on verses 24 to the end, we recognize there's a potential for the same thing to happen. And here's the word that we might latch on to and then miss the whole point of Jesus' illustration if we're not careful. It's the word rock. Now, why is, why is that such a potential, uh, not pitfall perhaps, but distraction from the real points that Jesus is making? Well, because rock is a term or a title, it's a description that is used extensively throughout Scripture to describe God. In fact, one of the, the big individuals, one of the, the main people uh, in the Old Testament, King David, who was uh, a prophet, who was a, a poet, uh, you probably are most familiar with him from the, the battle with Goliath. But King David, one of his favorite ways to describe God was as a rock. Uh, Psalm 18, too, this is, these, are, these are David's words. He describes, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge. And it's not just in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, as we'll see later this morning, Jesus is referred to as a capstone, uh, a cornerstone, or a living stone. And so that picture of God being a rock is very much a part of, of Scripture. It's very clear for us throughout. And now here's where that's tricky. Because if we latch on to that one word, we might assume that Jesus' whole parable, his illustration, is simply to tell us this. He is a wise builder who builds his foundation on the rock, on Jesus. And why is that tricky? Because it's absolutely true. Because it's absolutely true that, that a faith that is not built on the foundation of Jesus is a faith that is not going to serve anybody. A faith that is built on my own good works or my efforts or, or my best attempts at being good enough for God is a foundation that's going to crumble and crack. A faith that is based on this idea that it doesn't really matter what the foundation is, as long as you have a foundation, whatever path it is, whatever your foundation is, is, is good for you, that foundation isn't going to stand before a holy and righteous God either. It too will not hold up anything that is built upon it. No, the only foundation that will last is that which is built on the rock of Jesus. His, his life, his death, his resurrection, which was for you and for me, that must be our rock-solid foundation. And that's entirely true, but it isn't the point that Jesus was making in the illustration that he uses in our words from Matthew today. Suppose, suppose a, a friend describes to you an athlete that he's really impressed by, somebody that he has been following, maybe somebody in high school or college that, that might be good enough to make it to the next level. And he's describing the skill set and the ability of this individual. 
And at some point, he describes him to you as far as his physical appearance. He describes him as being like a tree. Well, you think you understand. And, and then finally, eventually, you get to see this kid play. You get to see him in person, and you're shocked. You're absolutely surprised at how short he is. And so you, you go to your friend. You say, hey, um, you described him as a tree. He's, he's about the shortest guy out there. What do you mean describing him as a tree? He said, well, no, look at, look at his build. Look how thick he is. Look how muscular he is. That guy is sturdy. He's like the trunk of an oak tree. He, nobody is moving him. Do you see how, if you weren't clear on what the point of comparison was in describing that athlete to be like a tree, then you might have a total different visual of what he had in mind. So too with Jesus' illustration today, if we don't understand when he talks about something being like a wise man who built his house on a foundation of rock, we have to be careful. We have to pay attention to saying exactly what is it that Jesus is saying is like that. And the good news, of course, is that Jesus describes it for us. If you look at verse 24 of Matthew chapter 7, Jesus explains, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. See, Jesus clarifies who it is that is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. It's the person who hears Jesus' words and puts them into practice. And Jesus emphasizes or clarifies that even more when he flips it around and describes what it's like when somebody builds foolishly, not on a foundation of rock. In verse 26, he says, But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. So the point of comparison in bringing in this building and this foundation is not simply just, although it's true, it's not just that we must build our foundation of faith on Jesus. But rather, Jesus' point here is the difference between simply hearing his word, letting it go in one ear and out the other, versus hearing his word and actually applying it and living it. And that makes perfect sense when we, again, keep in mind that these are the words that Jesus is really closing out his Sermon on the Mount with. So if you actually have some time this week, go back through Matthew chapter 5 and 6 and the rest of, of chapter 7, and you see Jesus teaching. He's covering all kinds of different areas of how we are to live. Divorce, adultery, judgment, what we are to seek as far as our priorities, worry, the list goes on and on and on. And so it makes sense that Jesus would wrap all that up, all this great teaching from Jesus and say, listen, it's good for you to be here and hear this, but it's really only going to serve you if you apply it, if you live it, if you actually do what I say. And in light of that, as, as we put that understanding on Jesus' point of comparison, we are left with a pretty clear conclusion that our whole life up to this point, if you look behind you and look beneath you, is really an entire track record of one building project after another of buildings built on a foundation of sand. How often have we not been guilty of, of hearing the word, but then failing to apply it, failing to, to actually live it or put it into practice? And Jesus says that's like building on a foundation of sand. And so the, the young student um, marvels, is, is kind of proud of himself because 
He has learned his memory work so well and recited it with near perfection, with hardly a mistake. Ah, God must be pleased with me, he presumes, while never bothering to actually apply the very words that he memorized and was able to recite with near perfection. Uh, the, the member of, of a church marvels and thinks, oh, God must be absolutely satisfied with the fact that I have been to church every Sunday for an entire month. Never mind the fact that when he gets home, when he leaves church, he's, he's cussing and his temper flares at the slightest little thing that sets him off. And someone is, is convinced that God certainly must be thrilled with my very generous offering. And, and yet, if anybody could see that person's heart, what they would see is that that really is nothing more than a guilt offering to cover up greedy spending habits. Or the individual that says, ah, God must certainly be delighted in the kind and loving words that I use to speak to others, all the while ignoring the fact that that person tends to assume the worst of everybody else's words and actions, putting the absolute worst construction on them. And you see how how as we reflect a little bit further, our entire life, again, is, is one building project after another built on not the foundation of rock, but of sand. And so there we sit in the midst of, of enough sand to fill a desert right beneath our own feet, shaking our hands at God, wondering why what Jesus says happens to come true in our life when he describes in verse 27, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. We experience that in our lives, chaos and turmoil and everything feels like it's falling apart. And we're wondering, we're shocked, how could God let this happen? Lord, I'm one of yours. I'm, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. I didn't think it was supposed to be like this. How could, my, how could you allow all of this to happen in my life? And meanwhile, as we are again shaking our, our fist at God, wondering where he is, the whole while God is been there wondering where he's been in our lives the past several months or years leading up to that event. And we totally miss the irony of directing our frustration, our angst, our, our irritation against God and totally missing that we're doing so as we stand on a foundation of sand. And so as we are shocked and, and dumbfounded at at what we think God should be doing for us, we totally turn a, a deaf ear and a blind eye to the fact that we are the ones failing to put into practice the very words that he has given to us to guide our lives. But dear friends, here is the great message of the Christian faith. It's that as we are standing there in the midst of one building project after another that is built on a foundation of sand, here is the truth. Our failed building projects have nothing to do with our ability to get into heaven. Nothing that we do or don't do has any bearing on our eternal wealth. It's true, it is true that, that whether or not we put Jesus' words into practice in this life is going to have an impact on the things that happen to us and how our, our lives play out. But as far as your eternity is concerned, your failed building projects have nothing to do with it. The only thing that matters for your eternity is the building project that Jesus himself carried out. It's what Jesus built on your behalf. In fact, not just that, it's, it's what Jesus has built and continues to build with you 
through you, even using you to build you up as his church. That's really what was being described by a writer in the New Testament in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. He describes Jesus as a living stone and says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Again, 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5. Notice who is the one that's doing all the action there. It's not you, it's not me. In fact, we're the ones on the receiving end. It's Jesus, the living stone, who is building up his church. And he says that, that he uses us, chosen by him and precious to him, we're the ones being built into a spiritual house. Jesus is the builder. Jesus is the architect. And if Jesus is the one who not only designed but carried out all of the construction of his building project, his church, you and me, all believers, then that is a building that will never fail because it's not only built on his foundation, but he himself is the builder. His perfect life ensures that that foundation is solid. His death on your behalf as your substitute ensures that nothing is going to lead that building to ever crumble or fall. And his resurrection assures that that building will stand forever. And you, through faith in Jesus, are that building. Jesus has built you up into everything that he needs for you to be in heaven. He has done all the work and made you his building project. Now, if we want to talk about, and it's right to talk about putting these words into practice because of this, this gift of salvation and eternal life that God has given to us, when Jesus says that, that a wise man is one who hears his words and puts them into practice, and you want to talk about what we should be doing, well, here's the most important thing that you can do According to Jesus' own words from John chapter 6, verse 29, Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. That is the most important thing that you can do. And it's not even your work. Even bringing you to faith is, is his work. So Jesus calls to you, before we're even worried about any foundation, if, if we aren't believing in Jesus then wiser, foolish building is a totally moot discussion. It's, it's a waste of our time. But once we are built on that foundation of Jesus and we believe that he alone is our forgiveness and our salvation, then yes, absolutely, we want to look and see what it means to put into practice these words of Jesus for our life. When we have that confident confession of faith in him, then we recognize that I do want the kind of building that is described by Jesus. In verse 25, we want the building, don't we, that, that described this way, that is described this way. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Does that sound like the kind of building project that you want for your life? One that is not going to fall no matter what this world throws at you? Well, that foundation must be first built on Jesus. And then as we continue building that up, or rather as, as the Holy Spirit builds it up in us, we recognize the importance of not just 
hearing the word of Jesus, but putting it into practice and realizing the amazing things that he is able to build in our lives when we do that, when we put his words into practice. And so, dear friends, the importance of these two key concepts, as we heard last Sunday, in terms of having a healthy, vibrant faith, guard that faith, watch out for bad fruit and avoid it. But also wise up, build up, do the things that Jesus calls you to do in your life because you have been freed through Jesus to do them. So I pray that you recognize the importance not only of guarding your faith, but growing in your faith as well. May Jesus bless you as you strive to do that in your life. Amen. For those that are interested over the course of the week, I don't know, whichever days, whenever the good spirit uh, moves me, I will share what I feel are some of the most important aspects of Jesus' words to put into practice in your, your daily living, uh, either live or in my stories on Facebook and Instagram. So check back over the course of the week and I will share with you what I think are the essential, the important uh, to-do list from Jesus, having been set free by his blood for a life of, of joy and peace in him. 